Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons, only on The Horn. Hour two here on the Sports Complex. Got some more NBA if we want to get into that. We got some NFL Super Bowl talk coming up as well. National Signing Day is tomorrow. And the text line, 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776. We're asking you, what for you? Is the right amount of people at a Super Bowl party, a Super Bowl watch party? How many people do you like at your party to watch the big game? I know it's different than, you know, watching Texas play in a big game because the Texas game, you know, maybe you want a few less because you want to, you really want to focus. You want to make sure you don't want to, you can't have riffraff coming in that's only there. They don't really watch sports and then they kind of ruin it for you. But the Super Bowl, the Super, you know, people are watching the ads. It's nice sometimes at a Super Bowl party to have the person who's there for the ads as long as they get that, you know, it's going to be because they'll point out and they'll be like, hey, watch this one. And then when I'm taking a break to go get another beer, then I'm like, oh, that's a good ad. I'll watch that one and then we can talk about it tomorrow. Uh, so I, I, I think there's a good there's a good amount. I, I'm, I'm more in the range. I think around 20 is a good number. Uh, depending on, a, I, you know, our guy, right guy in New Mexico got brought up a good point uh, that – Depending on the size of where you're at, it's very important. 20 people in a studio apartment, probably not the best solution. Maybe a noise complaint coming from that one, so a good point there. But uh, we're asking you that question. We'll get through more Super Bowl party stuff because, I, I look, I'm a big I, – I, the Super Bowl party, as someone who is a, a Houston football fan, grew up with the Oilers, didn't, didn't have a team, and then now a Texans fan. I have never watched a Super Bowl – with super intent on who wins or loses. There's times where I'm rooting for somebody, but most of the time I'm watching it as a football fan. So I enjoy the Super Bowl watch party because it's a big game, the specter of it, the grandeur of it all, the halftime show or the ads, everything about it is better when there's a lot of people and you can really enjoy the feel, make it feel like a big event. Uh, I think it makes it better than just kind of, it's like watching the Avengers or watching, you know, Fast and the Furious on a, you know, on a small little TV with the sound real low. It loses something. Or watching Godzilla just on your phone. It feels like a thing that you wouldn't be like, oh, no, I want to be around people, and I want to be, and we can all just be like, oh, my God, this is great. So that's what we're asking you on the text line, 512-447-3776. If you want to talk Texas basketball, big game against Iowa State. That is uh, That was in hour one we talked about that. But if you want to talk about that anymore, we can talk about that. Uh, NBA, the trade deadline is Thursday. National signing day is tomorrow. And, of course, the Super Bowl is on Sunday. Going to be a fun time there. Uh, text line uh, working hard for us there. We'll get back to that in just a minute. I do want to bring up one thing about, this, about the Super Bowl. Uh, we'll kind of just keep touching on the Super Bowl until we get to, like, Thursday, Friday, and then maybe we'll go a little bit harder. Uh, Thursday may be a fun show. I believe I'm going to be on the morning show as well, helping out at the morning show. So I may be completely sleep-deprived and crazy by Thursday. We may have Aaron or Rod step in, too, uh, in the afternoons with me to help me get through, uh, get me through two hours after, you know, doing radio stuff for 12 hours. I, I don't know. We'll see how that Thursday show goes. And Friday, uh, we'll give you even more Super Bowl talk. But one of the pieces that I've been looking at is we're kind of trying to break down different pieces of the Super Bowl and what pieces maybe, you know, are the most important matchups, the most important edges for each team, uh, what needs to be provided in these games for each team to win. 
And what I want to look at today is the running backs. And this goes two ways because it goes to the running backs and the rushing defense for both of these teams is why these matchups are so valuable and why Christian McCaffrey and Pacheco are going to be such big pieces of this Super Bowl game. And I believe both coaches will have their guys going full speed. Uh, Pacheco, Andy Reid has been using Pacheco in the running game so far in the playoffs. He's been trusting him. He's been using him, and he has been a big part of the Chiefs being able to pace the game. And when you know you're getting pass rush on Patrick Mahomes, or you're he's not being able to find a guy because they're doubling Rasheed Rice and they're trying to stay after Kelsey. P- Pacheco gives them a little bit more space that they have to sit back in the run game a little bit more. So he's been a big piece for their offense. And of course, we know McCaffrey throughout the entire season into the playoffs. Uh, you know, there's a very good case for him being the MVP of the league, uh, being on possibly the best team in the league. And and just such a huge impact that I know Brock Purdy got all the talk about it. They lose a couple games, one which they were sitting everybody in, uh, and they that just you know kind of knocks him out. And Lamar Jackson's probably going to win it on Thursday. That's another thing happening this week is the NFL honors this Thursday. Uh but that does mean that Christian McCaffrey is a huge piece of what the 49ers do. And we know Christian McCaffrey. One of the big pieces that you're going to find for Christian McCaffrey is not just that he is. You know, he averages 4.5, 5.4 yards per carry. That's a really good number. The bigger number is 8.4 yards per reception for Christian McCaffrey. That number is the big number because when you look at the difference between him and Pacheco, Pacheco's doing well. He averages 4.6 on the carry, 5.5 in through the air. So he's being used out on screens or little ditches off and, and check downs. He's doing okay, but not necessarily breaking big plays. Christian McCaffrey is breaking really big plays out of the pass game. And the way you're able to do that is by continuing to make him a running threat. So they collapse down on the run, and then he's able to sneak out when you don't. And maybe people don't pay attention to him in the passing game the same way. He's able to get that little bit of space the same way that they use Travis Kelsey. Christian McCaffrey kind of falls in that role, and I know George Kittle does too. But Christian McCaffrey can fall in that role of just finding space and then being able to run in it. And then when we look at the defensive side of it, when we look at the teams that the team that that uh, the 49ers have played so far in this season, why Pacheco is going to be a huge piece in this Super Bowl is if we look at what kept the Packers in the game against the 49ers, it's 22 runs for and 5.6 yards per carry. 22 runs by running backs is what I'm counting. And Aaron Jones running for over 100 yards in that game, 5.6 yards per carry. They were able to get the runs, and Aaron Jones is a heck of a running back. He went over the top, and, and he was the reason the Packers stay in this game. Jordan Love had a fine game, but it was Aaron Jones, why the, why the Packers were in the game with the 49ers. And then you look at the Lions. They have 27 running back runs for 5.1 yards a carry. You can run against this San Francisco team. And, yes, Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery and Aaron Jones are really good running backs. But Checo has been playing really well this season. So Pacheco has a chance to get in there. I don't know if he's going to average five yards a carry, but I think when you look at all the weapons that Kansas City has and knowing that they have to help out in the linebackers to help out with Travis Kelsey as much as possible, knowing you don't want to give uh, Patrick Mahomes too much time, the run game may be there for Pacheco, and he's going to need to produce at that four-plus, four to five yards a carry uh, range for them to be successful against this 49ers team, because if you run the ball more, then it hurts that pass, that pass rush 
of the 49ers. And the more you can hurt that pass rush, the more time it gives Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey to go make magic. And we know what those guys can do when they get a little bit of time. So that's something you want to look for on that end. And if you look on the other side, why McCaffrey's so important? Because when you look at the teams the Chiefs have been playing, the run game hasn't been there. The Dolphins go 14 runs, 14 runs with running backs, three yards per carry. And reality, it's even probably less than that because uh, Mostert, you know, Mostert had a had one big run in the game, so he that knocks it up a little bit. But you know, Edgehan did nothing in the game. They only run the ball uh, fourteen times. I'm sorry, that was, but yeah, fourteen times that game, three yards per carry. Dolphins can't get a win, can't compete. The Bills do a little bit better. They run the ball 25 times. It keeps them in the game. It puts them a lot closer to the Chiefs. They get four yards per carry with James Cook. Uh, we, we're, we, you know, also Josh Allen runs the ball 12 times. I'm not counting that in our numbers because we're talking about quarter. Uh, we're talking about running backs running right now, but they run the ball 25 times. They're the closest to beating the Chiefs. They're the ones who are hanging in there. They're the ones that kind of have this figured out against the Chiefs. They run the ball 25 times, but they only get four yards per carry in that game. You need to get that up number up. How do you get that number up? Christian McCaffrey. And then we look at what the Ravens did. They run the ball with running backs six times in the game, only eight times with Lamar Jackson. But six times in the game, they only averaged 3.8, and that's the number that should be less because uh, Gus Edwards, I believe, had a 15-yard run. And if you take that out, the average is abysmal of what they were able to do because they didn't stick to it, they didn't go with it, and they didn't have a top guy. So we can say, yes, Mostert and James Cook and uh, and Gus Edwards are not the running backs that we can say are the same as Aaron Jones and Montgomery and Gibbs. We can say though that's clearly one side and the other, so the running game may not be that much of a difference. But if we talk about what it meant to the teams and in the matchup, Christian McCaffrey having a good running game, being able to get going against this Chiefs defense that has done well so far in the playoffs, not with the same caliber of player, but they've done well defending it, that opens up so much in the world for Brock Purdy and opens up his time that they can't pass rush the same way. They can't blitz the same because you constantly have to be worried about Christian McCaffrey and not only in the run game, but then in the pass game that even if he runs through and it's not a run and it's a play action, Christian McCaffrey can scoot right out and when everybody realizes it and turns away and jumps off McCaffrey to go back for Brock Purdy, all he's got to do is ditch the ball right off to Christian McCaffrey and he can go. That difference is why you think the 49ers have an edge here, but Pacheco is a huge, huge piece for the Chiefs because the closer to the game that he has to Christian McCaffrey and taking that X factor out of the game or at least equaling that X factor on the other side will be a huge coup for the Kansas City Chiefs as this game goes on. So that's just our look for today, looking a little bit at the Chiefs about how they can possibly uh, spin that they don't necessarily have the same talent level. They clearly have the better quarterback. You don't bet against Patrick Mahomes, I know. But if we just look across the board of offensive weapons, clearly the 49ers have the better offensive weapons. But Christian McCaffrey, you have to have Isaiah Pacheco make a difference to get closer to Christian McCaffrey. We know he's going to do what he does in these games and, and do what he does all season long. But can he get – can Pacheco kind of equal that out and even the playing field and make it come down more to a quarterback battle in a battle of the throwing games? Because if you get down to that, if you're able to keep up with the, the 49ers in the run game and pace the game and not give them more possessions and get pick up first downs and, and go hard on money downs, those types of things, giving yourself – 
second and third and shorts because a good runs up front for Pacheco. It evens the game out for the edge that the 49ers have had most of the season uh, with the running game with Christian McCaffrey. If you can equal that out with a good game from Pacheco, it makes it much easier for the Chiefs to get a win in this game. Uh, tell me what you think on the text line, 512-447-3776. We'll go through more positions clearly as the week goes on. I want to get back to the text line, though, real quick. Uh, Texter says, I would think uh, more than about 6 to 10 in conversation can overshadow the game. Social event for some, I get it. Props to you for hitting the gym. Remember, number one rule in zombie land, cardio. Yes. Uh, Yeah, I I get some people don't want to go too far to overshadow the game. But again, it is a game, and and I'm pretty good at being able to keep up with the game uh, and then – and still be able to do other things. I, I can have conversations while I'm staring at a game and, and watching what the game is. I know not everybody does that. Uh, but at the same point, in these games, I'm not going to be breaking it down in the most because it's just, it's you know, we'll talk about it on the day. On, to, we'll talk about it on Monday after the Super Bowl. But I'm, I'm going to try and enjoy the Super Bowl. I enjoy sports. That's why I do this job. So, you know, if I'm sitting there and just trying to break it down and have my notepad out and writing down, well, this happened there. So I can go back and I'll rewatch games and I'll have it recorded on my on my TV so I can go back and watch it and, and figure out the points and go back to points that I knew were big. Uh, but I enjoy having a few more than 10. I get smaller rooms. You don't want to have more than 10. But I also, if I think if you get down to like 6 to 10 and there's one annoying person at 6 to 10, it's all over. It's all over. That's why I like having a few more people because then you can be like, well, they'll spawn off. And that eight group, that people of eight, can go off and have their own good time in one of the other rooms. And in the party I'm going to, there's there's th- four, there's three rooms with TV and a TV in the backyard. So there's a little bit more space where I'm going. So you know they can go to another room and and they have their fun and and we can go over to where we're going. I, I the most annoying part for me at every Super Bowl party is when the Super Bowl halftime comes on and somebody's like, "Everybody shut up!" And you're like, "You can't say everybody shut up for this when we didn't shut up for the entire game." Like, there's going to be some conversation happening, at least by song two. By song three, for sure. We're going to be like, cool, it's Usher. It's Usher's cool, but I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be super, super uh, uh, attentive for it. We'll see. Uh, for, the, uh, for the person who said the, team, uh, the theme was red, uh, with, with that many people covering, we're covering both teams, red makes it easy, and we're serving pictures of Bloody Marys all game long. Got a dedicated room with a 120-inch screen. That is a big screen. I'd say still add another, put another TV somewhere in the house so you can sneak away if you need to. The other TV is a big piece for it, I'm telling you. And, man, I can't, I don't know if I could do Bloody Marys for a whole game. I think that's an intro. Like the Bloody Mary is one, maybe two, and then I'm just straight beer. But I, I think you've got that figured out, too. I'm guessing if, you, if you've got all this done, I think you're probably somewhat of a pro of hosting these parties. I'm going to believe in you. Uh, my man, my man, Nate says, uh, not sure you should be working out with your finger injury. It's still, my thumb is still hurt, by the way. It still is. It's much better than it was. It's still hurt, Nate. And it's just gross looking now, but it's, it's still hurt. Uh, that ingrown thumbnail, hard injury, but I'm sticking it out, man. You know, I'm a fighter. I'm not one of these players who only shows up for, you know, 40 games a season. No, I'm a fighter, Nate. I'm going through it. Uh, (laughs) Texter says, uh, just start giving them tips on how to do the exercise. They'll move on real quick or you'll get beat up. I don't think I'll get beat up necessarily. I don't think that would be the case. I think I'd get more looks. Also, everyone wears headphones at the gym, so you have to say everything like two or three times, 
which is always a little bit more annoying when you're like, hey, 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 and then they look up at you and then look away again. It, it seems like a problem, but you know what you got to do. Uh, Joe, the bass player, says, like, like, like you're gonna sounds like you're gonna hang out with a bunch of riffraff. Probably, probably, Joe, probably. That seems to be where I end up a lot. Uh, my man Chan says, "No, PD, don't do that at the gym. How many sets is left is a good icebreaker. I don't want to break the ice. I want him to move. I'm not making friends over there. I just need him to move." Uh, that channel says, think Kendall Weaver should start tonight. Do we match up well with ISU? Yes. Kendall Weaver should start for the rest of the season. Uh, it Horton just hasn't been able to hit a shot. I, I, I trust Kendall Weaver to shoot threes as well as it Horton at this point of the season. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if we're going to play, it sucks that you just don't have the rotation. I think, you know, you want to be able to figure out one more guy to put in that rotation. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, you definitely, I think you still start Kendall Weaver because the defense he brings and the energy he brings is huge. Uh, Casey's pass defense is also better. It's going to be a challenge for San Francisco. Unfortunately, it is. Their defense is really well, and teams have been not running against them, even though I think you could run against the San Francisco team if you stick with it. Uh, the Bills did pretty well against it. I mean, they only averaged four yards per carry uh, from the running backs, but I think you could have kept going with it and kept going, but they just got behind it and had to start throwing it more. Uh, and overall, Casey's defense is better than San Francisco's. Uh, Steve W versus Steve S. It's going to be a challenge for San Francisco, in my humble opinion. I appreciate that, Chan. I do think it'll be a challenge for both teams. Uh, San Francisco, I think, is a more talented team, uh, but Kansas City just has that feeling that they can keep playing at that, and you don't bet against you don't bet against Patrick Mahomes. That's what you say. That's what you say. Uh, and yes, uh, so you also said, uh, this is about Sam Marcus Russ. Okay, we'll put your name in there. I appreciate you. By the way, if you don't have a name and I ever say your text, you just put your name and say, like, he, he just said Sam Marcus Russ, and I'll go put it back into the database and we'll get to it. Uh, living room, uh, 77 inch in secondary, 65 inch. So yes, uh, alcohol will be flowing. I, I like that. I think you're, talking, you're a Sam Marcus guy. You know how to party. I know how it is. If you're down San Marcus, you know what you're doing. Uh, text line still open, 512-447-3776. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back, get to the text line, and get to another uh, Ian Robbie uh, replay with a uh, guest they had on this morning, Josh Harris, uh, talking some NFL draft, uh, some good stuff there. So we'll get to that when we come back here on the Sports Complex and the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. Back in the Sports Complex here on the Horn, playing artists who played the Super Bowl halftime show all week long. This might be one of the tops because it was super early before they really had people doing solo performances. Michael Jackson's pretty legendary performance there. <laughs> I do like on the text line, Sam Marcus Russ did say we did drink a stadium dry. I'm telling you, I once you said that, it, it clicks in my head what you got going on. Uh, and Texter also says... Uh, is the UT game really only showing in the Longhorn Network tonight? That's uh, what my sports app is showing. Yes. Yes, it is on Longhorn Network tonight. I apologize if you do not have Longhorn Network. Uh, I'm sure it'll be on at, at establishments. If you can afford to get out or you can get away from the house, you can go watch it. One of the establishments, Longhorn Network, will not be 
I do not believe we'll be around uh, next season. So this will be one of those last games that you will watch on Longhorn Network. But uh, yes, it is on Longhorn Network uh, tonight. Uh, if you get someone's login on ESPN, I don't condone any of that. But if you get someone's, you can go on the ESPN app. And if you get the right login for TV provider, I'm sure you can find it too. All right, I want to play the sound from Hook'em Up with Ian Robbie, a little replay uh, that uh, Josh Harris, uh, sideline reporter for the Houston Texans, came on the show this morning to talk about the NFL draft. What Texas players will be involved in that? Uh, some good stuff from Hook'em Up on a Hook'em Up replay here on the Sports Complex. All right, it is uh, behind the BOC. Rod will be back tomorrow from his wisdom teeth extraction. But uh, in Rod's absence, what better pinch hitter than our man John Harris, sideline uh, man for the Houston Texans for years and years, also works at uh, HoustonTexans.com, but also publishes a draft guide every year that is as good as they get. Uh, You can find him at uh, J. Harris Football on X slash Twitter, and you can uh, hear him on uh, on our conversation whenever we can get a hold of him and, and talk with him. He's our buddy John Harris. Hey, John, how are you? Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year. Uh, yeah, it's been a while, Aaron. I hope you're doing well and hope everybody in Austin's well. It's been a pretty exciting uh, pretty exciting fall for, for those wearing the, the uh, Texas Orange. Yeah, man. Well, the, it was a good fall if you're a Longhorn fan because you kind of turned a corner. And for you, suffering through some uh, pretty miserable years with the Houston Texans, I mean, it's your, it's your job, and you, you show up and do a great job of it. But, man, there were some tough times in there. But, man, what a breath of fresh air. D'Amico Ryans, C.J. Stroud, and just this – it's hard to imagine the 180 that organization did, uh, you know, in a calendar year. Yeah, for it to be so immediate was uh, it was, I mean, shocking even for us. I mean, you know, it started, you know, at the, with the decision to sign Amico because you know Mark Vander Vander and I would sit during kind of the the period of not having a coach. We'd sit in the studio and we just kind of talk like, okay. We wouldn't even talk about D'Amico because we just didn't even think it was possible. It was always, you know, this permanent plan B. Like, okay, we all know D'Amico is the guy we want, but yeah, all right, we know that's not going to happen. So who's it going to be? And then I ended up going to the Senior Bowl, and I, I ended up driving there, I think, on a Sunday. And that's when things started picking up with D'Amico. And, you know, I'm in Mobile, and I'm, I'm texting Mark, like, is this thing going to happen? Like, come on, man, this can't happen. Like, and, and I think that was just kind of the PTSD from the last three years. You know, we just couldn't – it was the, the proverbial, we couldn't have anything good. Um, and then, oh, it's happening. You know, for first day of the Senior Bowl, um, I got, I've got people coming up to me one year after as I walk through the gates, people are snickering because I'm wearing Texans gear. <laughs> like, they're laughing at like, Texans. Like, they literally – I could hear them laughing as I went by. And I'm like, okay, well, that, 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 that's got to change. And – now all of a sudden it's like, man, Miko, like, yeah, um, this is this is a great step. And then you just started seeing every single step seem to be right. You know, they signed some free agents. Like, wait a second, on the same day they signed Devin Singletary and uh, and Dalton Schultz to one year contracts. Like, who? We signed Devin Singletary and Dalton Schultz. Okay, and then you obviously get the draft night and. CJ's drafted, and you have this, you know, like 20-minute period or so where we're debating what they're going to do with number two, Jay Stroud. We're reacting to having a young quarterback that we all, well, I, I liked. Um, look over, and you know, the producer is looking at us going, hey, they're trading up for Will Anderson, too. Like, wow. 
So it was all this that was happening, but it's like, okay, now that was great. But now I'm growing pains. We've got a rookie head coach, rookie offensive coordinator, rookie quarterback coach, um, a rookie quarterback face the franchise defensively as a rookie. Um, okay, yeah, okay, we're going to, you know, five wins, six wins. Yeah, that'd be better than, than last year. We'll be much more competitive, et cetera. Out of the gates, the first two games, and like, oh man. And it was the Colts game that was really frustrating because we fell off. Power the Colts, and they just they kicked us around. Like, man, what are we going to do? And then all of a sudden, the season changed in week three. You had obviously some great offensive play, but you got a little bit of luck. You realize, okay, we can play. D'Amico's having an impact. There's a positive vibe that's going through this building. And you realize what all of that was worth. And you just kept playing, and you won some magical games throughout the year against Tampa Bay and Cincinnati, and you. You look up, and it was the Cincinnati game where, you know, I'm in the locker room, and I'm like, holy cow, like, I think this can happen. Like, just a playoff run. I think a playoff run can happen. I, I think we could get into the playoffs, and I think we can get there. You know, and then, obviously, CJ got hurt, and we're like, oh, man, those two games are tough, but beat Tennessee with Case Keenum? I mean, come on, man. Is this thing real? <laughs> um, beating the Browns, the, you know, we beat the Colts. On a Saturday night, the first time we played a primetime game, it's the first time, Aaron, we played a game that was not new. And on the first play of the game, C.J. goes 75 yards to Nico and thought, are we going to get in the playoffs? Okay, we got the playoffs. Then Tennessee helps us out. We win a division, and then we get the Browns here, a bit of revenge. You know, we ran into a buzzsaw with, with Baltimore. They were, they were rested. They were ready. Um, and we didn't play our best game that night. But when you consider – where we were last year at this point, we had just gotten D'Amico Ryan hired. We didn't even have a staff. We had, you know, you know, trying to figure out what the roster is going to be. And we went from that to right now, you know, obviously when the Super Bowl's over and you start thinking about 2024, we're going to be the flavor of a month for a lot of people. There are going to be a lot of people going, hey, man, they're doing things down in Houston. we got cap space. we still got a first-round draft pick. Um, we've got seven at quarterback. You know, Will Anderson made the Pro Bowl. Um, you know, we've got, you know, offensive line, which needs a little bit of tweaking, but three of the five, you know, the three best guys you have are under contract for the next three years. Um, so you've got some – you've got the ability to do some things, but now you're dealing with expectation. Now you're going to play primetime games. Now you're going to play Buffalo, Kansas City, Baltimore all in the same season, whereas last year you just played Baltimore. So – you're going to have to rise up in those games against teams that are really, really good. You play a first-place schedule. It means you play Dallas as well. So it's going to be tougher. Dick, you're going to rise. That said, you wake up each day from here on out. You got a top five GM. You got a top five head coach. And you got a top five quarterback. And that's a hell of a place to start. Yep, and a lot of young talent and a, an offseason now to, to get even better if you're in Houston or all the teams now. That's the draft process with John Harris, uh, Houston Texans Radio Network, but also Jay Harris Football and the, uh, the, 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 the must-have draft guy that you pour your, your guts into, John. It starts in Mobile. I know it starts with you with the film, watching their, their college film, but uh, then you get to Mobile and you get to see them up close. Let me start with the Longhorns, and uh, just from this same perspective you just gave with the Texans, that, man, you know, from, from – Five and seven for Coach Sark to eight and five. You know, in the five and seven year, they had nobody drafted. Eight and five, they had the running back. So, you know, four or five guys got drafted last year. You know, this year, the Longhorns could have as many as, you know, seven, eight, nine guys drafted over the seven rounds of this draft. And some of them, some of them pretty high. Uh, pretty, pretty good job Sark and the staff are doing 
acquiring talent and then developing that talent. Uh, of all the Longhorns, whether they were in Mobile or not, who do you think is the, the best draft prospect they have in this class in 2024? Is it Byron Murphy or is it somebody else for you? I think it's Byron Murphy. And, and sometimes, and this is where I have to you know, stop myself and make sure that I'm not looking at it through Texan goggles. But obviously, you know, Byron Murphy would be a guy I would love to have in Houston. His twitch, athleticism, power, um, you know, the, the strength he plays with, how, you know, his technique he plays with. I mean, he was, he was exceptional, exceptional this year. And I think he would fit very, very well with what D'Amico would want to do and wants to do defensively. And we have some defensive linemen that, you know, contracts are up and they've got to make some decisions. And so Byron Murphy would be a hell of a draft pick at number 23. Now, I don't know that he ends up getting to 23. Um, feels like that's, to me, that's that's the best guy. Now, Xavier Worthy is, like Xavier to me is a top 40. You know, he's in the top 40. And I, and I say that because this is such a good, I mean, it borders on historic wide receiver draft class. And I feel like we've been saying that for a while. And it really, if you kind of just follow the trends of the game of football, you realize you know, more teams in high school are putting four receivers on the field. Well, that translates to college where they're putting more three and four wide receivers on the field, more 11 personnel. And that translates to the NFL where you see a lot of 11 personnel uh, being played three and four wide receivers. So guys that used to play corner or would move to running back are staying at wide receiver um, and they're flourishing at wide receiver. And I mean, I was in Mobile where at least a half dozen guys, I'm like, you can come to Houston, you can come to Houston, you can come to Houston, you can come to Houston. Come to Houston. <laughs> and I'm not, and, and those guys, I'm not even talking about Marvin Harrison Jr., Roma Dunze, Malik Neighbors, Xavier Worthy, Adnan Mitchell. I mean, I'm not even talking about those guys. Those guys, I mean, they weren't even in Mobile. You know, Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan from Washington, the entire Washington wide receiver group. I'm just talking about Lad McConkey, Roman Wilson, um, Malachi Corley from out of Western Kentucky. You know, the guys that were at the Senior Bowl were fantastic. Yet, group that wasn't even there, you know, of underclassmen that declared and guys that, you know, know their top 10, top 15 picks and, you know, didn't really need the boost in the Senior Bowl. They, they, this wide receiver class is outstanding. So, that's why I think Xavier, I don't want to say in any other year because the receiver class has been pretty good. But in a lot of quote-unquote normal years, Xavier probably is in the top 20. Last year, he's probably in the top 20. He probably goes maybe a, maybe a shade after JSN, but you would debate Jordan Addison and Xavier Worthy all day long. So he, he would have been in that mix, but now it's in this group. So that's why I think Byron Murphy ends up being the, the top-ranked horn. I think Worthy's right there. You know, Mitchell's going to be interesting. You know, they're, you know, at the Senior Bowl, kind of talking to some guys about, some scouts about, you know, players and such, and talking about these receivers. And when Mitchell's name came up, to one scout and he just kind of looked at me like what like this like and i said what and he was like i don't know there's something about mitchell and i thought okay that's that's kind of odd so we'll keep an eye on that but again and i mitchell ended up here in houston he fit perfectly right in between tank dell and nico collins he would be the perfect fit in this offense between those two um longhorns are, are or come with a lot of ammunition to the draft. And I haven't even brought up Devondre Sweat, who was in Mobile 
go do the weigh-ins, and he walked by the scale and just waved at it like, see ya. <laughs> so he didn't even weigh in. He just decided, you know, what you see is what you get sort of thing. Um, and then he went out on the field, and there were moments of, what did he just do? He he just took Bo Limmer and broke him in half. Like, oh, is, Bo, is Bo Limmer okay? Can he get up after that? You know, and Sweat had a few of those moments. But he also had a couple of those moments where, why is that guy blocking him as effectively as he is on this play? You know, and so there's a part, there's kind of an Albert Hainsworth vibe you get a little bit with Tavondre. Like, they're dominant. They're dominant moments when Tavondre wants to be dominant. And where Tavondre has to get to is probably about 340, 345, because I can promise you that it was not 345 in uh, or he would have stepped on a scale. Um, and he still dominated at 365, 370, whatever he is. But he got himself to 340, 345. And the reason I know he can get there is because he was a defensive end in high school at 255. That was the first I ever saw it, was that when he was at Huntsville, he's playing a playoff game here at NRG Stadium. And I said to you know a couple of the recruiting guys I was watching, was like, hey, who's 44? And they're like, oh, that's Tavondre. Who Tavondre was. Go, oh, he's going to Texas. And I was like, he's good size, 255, right? Like, yeah, he's about 255, 250, somewhere in there. And he gets to three. So I know that 340 is in, he can get there. And if he does, I think Devondre can end up being a three-down player in this league and be a really good one because his power and athleticism are freaky level. So Longhorns are going to have a really exciting day one, day two. All those guys that, that we just mentioned, guarantee are going to be drafted Thursday, Friday, that before the end of day two, you're going to have those guys in particular drafted. Um, and that is going to be an indication of, of where this program is going that there are five-star players going to Texas, and Sark is getting them there, and then he's developing them. And that is the biggest thing. Once you get the recruits, it's a matter of can you develop them. And that is absolutely what he's been able to do uh, with those prospects there. And that, if I'm an NFL scout, I keep going back because I know that I'm going to get a well-coached kid, I'm going to get a pretty disciplined kid, and I'm going to get a guy that knows football and has been developed with great coaching throughout the years, that's what I want in my program. That's what I want in my organization. And I think it's just going to continue to happen. Um, and it's just going to be this big snowball that rolls downhill for Sark at the University of Texas. John Harris with high praise for Tavondre Sweat at 255 at Huntsville High School, now playing about 365 at the Senior Bowl. Byron Murphy as well. Hey, let me ask you about uh, Jonathan Brooks. I know he's coming off the injury, but, man, he was such a dynamic player. And what a revelation for the Longhorns with Roshan Johnson and Bijan Robinson to the NFL. Who was going to replace those guys? And Jonathan Brooks, before the injury in Fort Worth, was having a hell of a year, maybe on his way to a Doak Walker Award. And, you know, it's a lot of high rank. Mel Kuyper had him number one on his uh, running back board. What do you, what do you think the league's going to do with Jonathan Brooks coming off the injury. You know, it's interesting you say that, Aaron. Uh, you know, I was going through my notes for the Senior Bowl last night, and when I got to Tavondre, um, well, it actually wasn't Tavondre. I got to Austin Booker from Kansas, and I remembered something that a buddy of mine told me. He said, I had watched the Kansas-Texas game, but we were on the road that week, and so I didn't get a chance to watch it, you know, study it. And so we were talking about Austin Booker, defensive man outside linebacker from Kansas, and he goes, hey, Go watch the Texas-Kansas game and watch Austin Booker give Kelvin Banks all he can handle and Christian Jones all he can handle. And he and they did. It was That was legit. Like Austin Booker, number nine, long-arm, skinny defensive and outside linebacker was all over the place. He gave those tackles a ton of issues. But as I'm watching that game, I'm watching Jonathan Brooks closely, and I'm like, God dang it. If 
doesn't get hurt, RB one. Word. I, I, I don't, and I don't even know that it's that it's close. Like I, I said this in in Houston last week when I was on the radio. We're talking about and, and with the Texans, there's you know the running game was not good, and so we do we reset the running back room? What are you looking at running back wise? And so the, the the first thought is, well, okay, you draft one. I was like, love this draft class. I really don't. Um, who's RB one? You know, is it Blake Corn from Michigan? I, I like him. You know, he's got great vision, but hey, yeah, Will Shipley from Clemson, nah, I'm not sold. Uh, Dylan Johnson from Washington, okay, he played pretty well in Washington's offense. He's got some things, okay, man, he may, maybe. And then I'm watching Jonathan Brooks last night, and I was like, that guy's RB1. But the ACL obviously complicates things, and I, and I just don't know exactly how teams look at that. And 32 different medical teams that will have these 32 different medical opinions than Brooks and how that shapes how the teams are going to look at him in the draft process. And that's where I'm, I'm up in the air. You know if he's healthy. My mind, as I'm watching, he's running back one. I think he's got everything you're looking for. His just watching that Kansas game and seeing, you know, the cuts he made, the different types of runs. I mean, there's kind of a Le'Veon Bell sort of pace you know, when he's running some of the split zone stuff um, that they were running, some of the inside, you know, gap scheme stuff. It, it, it has a little bit. Now, Le'Veon got to a point late in his career where he'd run up the line of scrimmage and stop and wait and then go. It's not quite that. But earlier in his career, Le'Veon was, a, was patient, and that was probably where Brooks is. But there's that patience. And when he sees that, he has the vision. When he sees it, he goes. And I and I watch it last night, and I'm thinking, man, I'm talking to Aaron tomorrow, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say exactly this, and uh, he's RB one. Good stuff there from Hook'em Up with Ian Robbie and John Harris joining the show. We're gonna take our last break. We'll come back and wrap it up. Big news for Astros fans. We'll tell you that when we come back and wrap it up here on the Sports Complex and the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and HornFM.com. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. All right, we got to get out of here. But before we go, big news that just broke. Jose Altuve has signed a new five-year extension with the Astros, meaning he'll be with the team through 2029, basically uh, verifying he will be an Astro for the rest of his career. Great news there if you're an Astros fan. One of the fan favorites of all time, Jose Altuve, going to sign and stay with the Houston Astros. His contract was up after next season. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. Talk more. Uh, recap what happened in Texas basketball. We will get into some more Super Bowl talk and a whole lot more here on the Sports Complex. But until then, be kind, be safe, keep your underwear clean, and we'll see you right back here tomorrow for more from the Sports Complex.